Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for being here and welcome to Freedom International podcast. With me are podcasters and guests from around the world. And on my right, that's Roy Colan, and he is right now in Poland, but he is originally from Ireland. And Hartmut Schumacher is in Germany, still in Germany. And Chris Ryan is originally from Ireland, but he lives in UK and in London. And on Steve from Long Island, and right now he is in Asia. So with us is Curtis Coast, who I think it's okay to say that he is connected worldwide as well, just like us, but he lives right in New York. So you can get perspectives from this conversation locally and globally. So Curtis, welcome. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Um, give you a little background uh, who I am. I'm the author of this book here, Vaccines Are Dangerous, a warning to the global community. It's the second edition. Um, the first edition of my book came out in 1992, Vaccines Are Dangerous. So I've been out there giving lectures, doing interviews, organizing forums, uh, organizing demonstrations for about 30 years. So I've been at this for quite a while. And I've worked with people like Al Sharpton and others, and now I'm working uh, with Mr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and his organization, Children's Health Defense. And um, I, I tell you, of all the vaccines that I've uh, researched over the years, the COVID vaccine, I think, is by far the most uh, dangerous vaccine ever developed. And uh, I've gone on record and expressed my opinion, I'm not if anybody else's, that uh, this vaccine has the potential to kill billions of people. In fact, I was doing an interview with Dr. Dave Rasnick, who has a PhD in chemistry and used to work for the pharmaceutical industry and has a background in this for like 40 years. And he said, Curtis, well, I think it'll probably kill hundreds of millions, but I'm not sure about billions. And uh, it couldn't have been more than a month or two later, uh, we did another show and they said, Curtis, I think you're right. I think if we don't stop this, this vaccine has the potential of wiping out billions of people. And we can already see some of this uh, in the works and looking at some of the numbers. With regards to um, the death count in the U.S. alone, um, the CDC has a, 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 a entity called VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, that tracks adverse reactions to uh, vaccines. And as of maybe a week or two ago, uh, the number of deaths reported was like 6,000. And uh, that number, oh, as bad as it is, is much worse because according to a Harvard University study on VAERS, that number only represents about 1% or less of the total number. So uh, if we want to get a, a more accurate picture of how many people probably died already in the US, we would have to multiply that 6,000 times 100, which then translates into 600,000 people or more probably have already died in America alone uh, linked to the vaccine. And most adverse reactions occur within 48 hours and uh, beyond that within the first week or two. So uh, at 600,000 potential deaths, this is now officially the most dangerous vaccine ever created. It's more dangerous than all the other vaccines combined. And uh, it's even far more dangerous than tobacco because tobacco, according to the Center for Disease Control, kills about a half a million people, a little less than half a million people every year. This vaccine potentially has killed 600,000 or more people in six months. So it's much deadlier than tobacco. 
And uh, there's a lot of other information I can go into, but I'll let, if you have some questions first before I continue. Well, at least the tobacco, it's a slow death, but the, the vaccine, there, there are some reports already of, you know, spontaneous or not you know, within 24 hours, right. people die. And of course, then in addition, you just never know where this would lead you, because as you said, and reports and research are there that it is not really a vaccine, and they have put more than tissues and et cetera, and put it in there. Now, when it comes to um, taking care of our people, and I'm asking this question, not because I want us to be, all be separated, but I know that in our hearts, we have a special affinity to our culture. So what, what moving forward, how do you see like the African-Americans or the black Americans so going forward with this vaccine? And sometimes I'm excited when I can speak with someone from Africa mm -hmm. or a black American mm -hmm. who says, no, I'm not getting this vaccine and they have remembered what these things have been done to their people as well as my people in the Philippines. So with your travel and what you know, will tell us about what's happening in the black community. Sure. Well, when I first wrote my book, one of the motivations was uh, the fact that I saw there was a huge information gap between the uh, uh, black community uh, in this country and in Africa with other communities. I'm the first African-American to have written a book on the dangers of vaccine, even to this day. I don't know if any other uh, African-American author who's written a book criticizing vaccines. So there was a huge information gap. Nobody was talking about it or anything until I came on the scene. And um, well, that has changed over the years. Uh, with regards to COVID, the uh, African-American community is actually way ahead of most other groups on this subject. Something like 60, 70% say they're not gonna take the vaccine. And um, now that's not true of all the other vaccines, but on COVID, yes. And I attribute that to, in part, my efforts and Mr. Bobby Kennedy and others, because over the past year, we've been doing all kinds of uh, underground YouTube channel interviews, radio shows, organizing all kinds of events, forums and things. And uh, we even had the Harlem Vaccine Forum that we did in 2019 with Bobby Kennedy. We talked about the dangers of vaccines in general. I've also been working with um, the Nation of Islam. Uh, they have a publication called The Final Call, uh, which uh, is a national uh, newspaper and it reaches millions of their followers, as well as they sell it to the African-American community in general, which is millions more. And uh, I've set up interviews with some doctors and scientists and myself, and they have for weeks now been publishing feature articles saying point blank, don't take the vaccine and giving great details on why people should not take the vaccine. Uh, in fact, this past weekend, I um, organized an event at the uh, International African Arts Festival in Brooklyn, New York. I uh, convinced Children's Health Defense to set up a booth there. This is uh, an event that's been going on for 50 years, since 1971. And um, th this year actually marked the 50th anniversary. Basically, it's an event where they have lots of uh, uh, entertainers come, uh, and they you know, do music, dance, acrobats, have fashion shows, all kinds of entertainment all day long. Plenty of vendors selling all kinds of delicious food, plenty of vendors selling um, all kinds of jewelry and art, things of that nature. It's a fun event that goes all day. I've been going for 20 years, over 20 years. And so this would be a great place, I thought, to have a booth. So we set up a booth, we create flyers. We had like 18 volunteers and everybody was very receptive. 
uh, we were actually shocked how many people really understood or was sensitized to this issue with regards to the COVID vaccine. They loved the flyer, they signed up for, for the email list. We passed out in a period of two days, like 3,000 flyers. And we was gonna have three days, but it got washed out from rain. So the black community on uh, this issue on COVID is ahead of the curve on this issue, despite the fact that we have so many black ministers and heads of black colleges and universities and black entertainers and sports figures telling our people to get the vaccine. Because of our efforts, uh, we've been able to counterbalance that. So right now, the black community is actually ahead of the curve on this COVID. Now, that still means there's millions who don't know or don't want to listen, but overall, we're doing a lot better than others on COVID. Thanks a lot. And just one more question before I pass it on to Roy. What's your thought about the um, the debate right now, or not, there's really no official debate, but they're making it a mandate about the cri critical race theories that they want to impose on the kids, the primary school, because that's now also a hot topic in, in, in New Jersey or in United States. Well, I mean, I haven't really delved into that deeply. Uh, I know there's more emphasis in that curriculum on the negative side of the history of America and and treatment for African-Americans and things. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the story that, that needs to be told There's elements, but you know, you always gotta have a balance. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, the issue is COVID and this COVID vaccine and this agenda, and this supersedes all race issues. That's why one of the most beautiful things about this movement is people of all different backgrounds, um, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, uh, Democrat, Republican, Jewish, Muslim are coming together and putting aside all these different differences. I know, because I'm working with all these different groups and many others. And uh, because we recognize that there's a common threat to our children and to us and putting that to the side. And I've uh, been in, um, in, in interviews in which I raised this point. I mean, I don't think we should be following the bandwagon of uh, BLM and others who are race, making race an issue. This is not, I mean, they are poisoning white kids and Spanish kids and everybody else uh, in between. And so uh, this supersedes race. It's sort of like a beautiful thing in that sense, because so many people are coming together and joining hands around the century. This almost feels like the 1960s, how that must have felt in, this, in the 70s. So um, I, I think that uh, curriculum, we could debate that, but that's not the most important. We got potentially 600,000 people who, all, who may have died already in this country because of the COVID vaccine. And God knows what the numbers are in other parts of the world. I've seen some horrible, horrible numbers, but you know, you figure some small countries where um, the population is less educated, less access to the internet, and they don't know anything. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I've heard numbers like maybe 70, 80% of the population really have taken the vaccine. That's horrific. You think some small island or some small South American country where people aren't that informed, I shudder to think how many people may have already died or suffering from blood clots and uh, horrible rashes and heart attacks. It's, uh, it's horrible. That's the number one issue in the world for me. And I put everything else to decide for this one issue. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Roy? Hi, Curtis. I know you've been studying vaccines for a long time. And I think if we can kind of take a few steps back because I didn't realize it until recently and I've kind of double checked it myself that you know we've been all fed this lie you know first of all the smallpox 
vaccine than the polio vaccine. And I've learned it's all a lie that no right. vaccine works. And right. I just, has that something that you're sharing with the, the people when you're going around the world? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, in my book, I have, uh, I have uh, in my book here, I have multiple charts, a whole section of charts that show that if you look at the incidence of these vaccines for, for which um, the childhood vaccines have been developed, uh, like measles and, and uh, polio and stuff like that, if you look in the early 1900s at the incidence of these diseases, they're really high, and then the numbers drop dramatically uh, to the point that in most cases, the numbers have dropped like 90% or more before the respective vaccines came on market. So we're talking about 90% declines, in, in case of measles, 98% before the vaccine came on the market. So you would think that the uh, natural inclination of the medical establishment would be to figure out, well, what caused that decline and how can we do more of it? But of course, there's no money in doing that. And the reason for the declines were actually very simple, improvement in sanitation and improvements in uh, nutrition. So as they built sewer systems and as they got the horses off the street, which is defecating everywhere, uh, as they had efficient sanitation systems, water purification systems, as the environment naturally became cleaner because of all these things put in place, well, diseases had less opportunity to fester and grow. It's pretty simple. And on top of that, um, as they built more roadways, uh, more fresh fruits and vegetables could get into the cities. So people's immune systems became uh, stronger. And as they developed uh, refrigeration, food could be preserved longer. So improvements in sanitation and nutrition accounts for 90, up to 90% and more uh, prior to the vaccine. So these are not diseases that people automatically have to get. No, if you're if your environment is clean and you're eating uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and things, um, well, your risk of dying is very minimal. I mean, if you get measles or whatever, these are also uh, minor diseases. That's another uh, section I have in my book, a chapter titled Exaggerating Diseases. We actually look at these diseases like measles. Well, they'll make it seem like, oh my God, measles. Whether you look at it, well, well all this could happen. Well, child get a little fever or rash for a week or so, and then they're fine. Same thing with polio. I mean, most people have the image of iron lungs in the 50s, but you actually look at the medical literature, people getting polio is very rare. And most of the people who had the supposedly had the polio virus didn't even know they had it. And most people fully recover. It's a very small, tiny, tiny percent of 1% that might have some long-term uh, reactions from uh, having polio, but the vast majority is no big deal. Now, they don't want to say that in the, in the general media, but it's right in the medical literature. And I have my book is thoroughly referenced. I have hundreds of references in my book from the medical establishment itself. So they exaggerate diseases. They do it all the time. And the real most likely culprit for polio was uh, uh, a pesticide called DDT. During that time period, they were spraying the stuff everywhere. You can go to YouTube and look up uh, DDT sprayed on people, and you'll see trucks going up and down the streets in suburban white neighborhoods spraying thick clouds of this DDT on white kids as they're walking through the streets, white kids as they were sitting uh, and, and swimming in the swimming pools. They even had uh, um, window screens made out of uh, saturated with uh, DDT and wallpaper with DDT to keep away mosquitoes. And then they find out that it's a neurotoxin and causes the exact same symptoms that's linked to polio. So um, they lie, they lie all the time. They exaggerate, they make their money from exaggerating lying. Look at swine flu. 
the swine flu uh, supposed epidemic. I remember that I was a kid. I was in high school uh, back in the 70s. And they uh, said we had to get the swine flu vaccine. And so I remember I lined up like everybody else and uh, we went to the gym at our school and got the vaccine. And we were supposed to get a second round, but that never happened. I always wondered why that never happened. But later, when I got older and started researching the subject, I found out why. So many people were dying and becoming crippled from the swine flu vaccine. That's why they had to stop it. And they were sued for billions of dollars. Now, anybody want to take a guess how many people in the whole country and the whole world actually had the swine flu virus back then? Anybody want to take a guess? Feel free. I know you don't know, but how many? 157. Too much. <laughs> anybody else? 52. Two in the whole country, and both were on a military base, and one of the two died because he was forced to go on a march while he uh, well, he was very sick, he had a fever. That's it. They managed to convince like 40 million people to take a stupid swine flu vaccine for two people. And um, it, it, was, it was a joke, it was laughable. In fact, if you wanna see something really entertaining, go look up online the commercials they were running um, for swine flu. They would scare the daylights out of me today watching those commercials. They, they gave the impression, well, Susan went in the taxi and she gave it to the cab driver and the cab driver hugged his wife and he get, I mean, it was brilliant marketing, but it was all bogus. But that's how they managed to terrorize the public and get them to take this stupid uh, swine flu vaccine. And they've been following the exact same script over a period of decades. They did the same thing with the West Nile virus, get everybody in a panic in New York over West Nile. And then I, I remember that very well because while the news media was telling everybody, oh, beware of West Nile, I was reading the uh, reports right on the city's health department's website. And they were saying, well, it's not a big deal. Most people are never going to get bitten by a mosquito hazard. Those who do won't even know it. And uh, the ones who have some reaction, they fully recover. So on the official website for New York City's health department, they were making like no big deal, but the mainstream media was blowing it out of proportion. And they caused so much panic that they were able to get away with having trucks going up and down the streets in New York City, right on Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue, all these rich white neighborhoods, and including black neighborhoods in Harlem and Brooklyn and every place else, spraying the equivalent of road spray on people. They're using a pesticide called malathion. When you look it up, it's a very dangerous uh, pesticide. So people were doing the equivalent of somebody taking a can of roast spray and spraying in your face. That's basically what they were doing. They had helicopters spraying people. And I remember one of the things that shocked me and others who were uh, fighting this, and we actually ended up suing the, the New York City and we won. And um, why in a city like New York, where we have Columbia University, NYU, and all these great college universe, all these support smart people. You know, this is the place where Wall Street is. And you know, we're supposed to have lots of smart people here. How were they so stupid and gullible to allow the city to spray road spray on them and do nothing about it? And they didn't care about spraying it on pregnant women. They didn't care about spraying it on, on newborn babies. They didn't care about spraying it on elderly people. They didn't care about spraying it on people with respiratory problems. They didn't care less and they did it. So um, what we're seeing right now it's just the same script being performed again and again, even with the uh, H1N1 scare. I wrote about that in my book. My book was coming out uh, around that time in 2010, the latest edition. I mean, when you look at H1N1, the symptoms were identical to the common flu, common cold, and I have the charts right in my book. And uh, nonetheless, they got people terrified of H1N1, 
And President Obama, he gave all these hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to the drug companies for their bogus H1 vaccine. And it was the same scenario, a bogus disease. There's no proof that the H1N1 virus exists. Uh, nothing worse than the common cold, common flu, but they got everybody into a panic like they're doing now and people want to run and get the vaccine. You would think the general public would wake up uh, by now, but all this stuff is documented in my book and uh, I encourage people to get it. Uh, you can write on my website, uh, vaccinesaredangerous.blogspot.com. So my website is vaccinesaredangerous.blogspot.com. So what we're seeing with COVID is the script that they've been doing a long time following a long time and getting away with it. But this time they've ramped it up on a global scale in a way they've never done before. I see every ingredient is so toxic. You might oh, just God. give us, before I pass on this day, you might just tell us about the ingredients that are in these concoctions that they're uh, injecting into people. Are you talking about COVID? No, the actual vaccines, the, like, oh. yeah, the COVID vaccines, the current okay. ones. Okay, well, COVID vaccine. Well, first and foremost, we don't have a full picture of what's on in all these vaccines. We know what's been said, to, what's been submitted to the FDA, but uh, the doctors and scientists I talked to say, we really don't know. There's no monitoring on the manufacturing of these vaccines. So we really don't know, but we have some glimpses uh, of what's inside. Most recently, there was a, a report coming out of uh, Spain in which uh, a team of scientists were able to uh, get a vial of uh, the Pfizer vaccine, or several of them, and they they did their due diligence as much as they could to confirm the uh, the the, uh, the 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 tracking of the vaccine to make sure that it really was from from Pfizer. And so, what among the things that we have found, there was a, there's a show called Dave Perry, I think it is. Uh, I can't remember the name. I'll, I'll give it to you later. But um, he had a doctor on who analyzed the uh, the results. And what they found, among the things they found was there's some RNA material in it, but 99.9% .9 of it con contains graphene oxide, which is an industrial poison. Now, the woman was saying, I mean, this is a kill weapon. I, I mean, th there's no justification for putting graphene oxide in the vaccine. And on top of it, it's very, very uh, dangerous. It's, no, it's not supposed to be in there at all. And why would they put 99.9% .9 of it with this graphene oxide? And this stuff is toxic. It, it uh, causes inflammation in the cells. Uh, it causes uh, if, uh, inflammation in the brain, the heart. That's why you have so many people who are having strokes and heart attacks after taking a vaccine. It, it's, it's really nasty, nasty stuff. And uh, other things that, that we, we know of uh, is, uh, uh, you've heard, probably heard about the phenomena of um, people having magnets being able to stick to their arms after being uh, uh, vaccinated. Well, there's a woman who was also on this show, a uh, doctor, Punia's experience, who said, yes, the phenomena is very real. And she goes into great details on what the product is that's causing the, the, the magnetism. I think it's called Magnetron or something. She names the, the companies that make it. She gives information where you can go and do research on it. And essentially what it does is it allows the, um, uh, uh, MR, uh, the mRNA component to force its way into every cell in the human body. So this poison is going to infiltrate everything, you, you know, your, your brains, your heart, the kidney, all parts of the body that foreign substances like that are not supposed to go to, it's going to force its way. In fact, uh, he had one guest on uh, a woman who um, was one of the ones who sounded the alarm about the magnetism thing. 
And now not only will it stick to her arm where she got the shot, but it'll stick to her forehead and chest and all kinds of other places because the stuff is migrating throughout her entire body. Uh, and you can go on and on with the whole spike protein thing um, with it in, in, in these uh, vaccines. And uh, one of the uh, many problems with the spike proteins is if we accept what they tell us of spike proteins, they're very bad for the human body. So why on earth would you put it into a vaccine to give people more of it? And also the spike proteins, the way they work, this, this, that's why it's not a vaccine because they're not actually using any virus. There's no SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus or COVID uh, virus in the vaccine at all. They, they, they put together a genetic concoction that's supposed to be like a substitute, but basically it's Frankenstein material. It's alien to the human body. It's something they put together in a laboratory. So now the, the logic of it is that it's going to get into your cells and turn your cells into a factory to produce more of these spike proteins. Now, one of the problems is spike proteins are bad. So you're producing something that's bad for you. And also there's no off switch. So this stuff is gonna continuously produce, it's like a, a factory with no, that doesn't have a shutoff time. There's no five o'clock, everybody go home from work. It's ongoing producing these toxic Frankenstein substances circulating throughout, throughout your body. And uh, I mean, it's, it's frightening. Uh, I meet with a group of world famous doctors and scientists and authors uh, weekly. And I can tell you in those meetings, the consensus is anyone who gets this vaccine, they're dead. Some will die now, others uh, within the next uh, two or three years. There, there's no debate in the group. People who get this vaccine, they're dead. I mean, maybe they could be wrong. I mean, I'm hearing accounts that some people using herbal treatments and ivermectin are having some success in reversing uh, some of the symptoms. But the general consensus is you take the vaccine, you're dead. So it's a lot of bad stuff. And this is, these are just some of the things that we are aware of. Uh, until we have more research facilities that have all the vaccines, actual vaccines itself, and they can do their own independent studies, we really don't know. And you got all these different companies making their own formulations. So of what we do know is bad stuff. And we're seeing the numbers that confirm. I mean, something like 300,000, that's the last count I saw a few weeks ago, uh, adverse reactions reported in the U.S., which includes blood clots and horrible skin rashes and heart attacks and things of that nature. Well, again, that's 1% or less of the total. So if we multiply that by 100, we're actually looking at something like 30 million people in America probably have suffered varying levels of adverse reactions to uh, this COVID vaccine. Thank you, Curtis. I'll pass you on to Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean... In, in our circles, we all sort of know this is all by design and this is not something new. Like you said, uh, Heaney, SARS, and uh, it's, it's um, you know, even going back to the polio, like you said, it was the spraying of DDT. Uh, the, uh, I think the big problem is that if people don't have distinctions and the knowledge, it's hard to know that the, the government may want to hurt you or take advantage or not. It's not really the, the government anyway. It's a it's a, it's a kind of a darker force. So, you know, it encouraged me that uh, in our pre-chat, you were kind of saying that people, you see people like, you know, it, it's proving that you don't need the whole puzzle to wake up. Like you could, it, it, it could dawn on you that there there's, you know, things in this uh, poison arrow, poison dart that, you know, you just shouldn't be putting in your body. You just have to think, and you don't need to know if there's a dark overlord behind it, you know, you know, with divide and conquer strategies. Is that what you're finding that people are waking up who, you know, or, 
you know, who don't have the whole picture, but it's just like this, this uh, poison dart has shook them. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a mixture and it's, it's really interesting. You have those who um, are open-minded and uh, they're willing to listen. And you have those who are completely closed-minded. And uh, I, I, I say many others are saying, these people have been literally uh, hypnotized. And I, I mean that literally. Uh, I mean, I've studied hypnosis. I know how to do it. I've done it. I also went to the number one um, business school uh, at the time. And still, I think, number one business school for marketing. So I know a little bit about the process of convincing people with commercials and things. And what they're doing with repeating the same message again and again, all day long, every commercial break on TV, every commercial break uh, on radio, plus all the talk shows, that's the process of hypnotizing someone. You know, you're getting sleepy, you're falling in deep conscious sleep, you're feeling very relaxed, uh, or TV commercials. There's two concepts in, in uh, well, at least two, in, in trying to persuade people uh, with uh, your, at your commercials. One is reach and the other is frequency. That is the number of people that your commercial is going to reach and how often you need to run that commercial to induce a buy decision in your target market. So they're doing both. They're doing this, the reach is nationwide and global and it's all day, every day. You go to a bus stop, you see it there. Uh, you order a pizza and on the box of the pizza, there's an advertisement for getting a COVID vaccine and all that. So they are using mechanisms and hypnosis and basic marketing strategy to persuade people. And that's why you see a phenomenon where normally on issues, complicated issues, it's the less educated members of society that are most vulnerable. Uh, but what we're seeing is you could have a, a master's or a PhD from one of the top universities, and they're just as gullible as some high school dropout who can barely speak English. I'm seeing this firsthand because I know a lot of really smart, successful people who, despite information I might give them, others might give them, they want to take the vaccine and they can't give any logical reason. Or they, they'll say something like, oh, well, I did my research and uh, COVID has killed 500,000 people. And so even if there is a risk, it's less than COVID. I'm like, come on, you got to do more in-depth research than that. These people are not qualified to do the research and they don't want to. They are, they just want to uh, follow along and believe everything grandfather Fauci says to, uh, I can see a lot of colorful things about him, but I'm not trying to control myself. But I'm wondering like, why would they want to listen to this guy who was involved in the whole HIV AIDS situation where he encouraged people to go take those stupid HIV tests, encourage people to take those uh, stupid drugs for HIV, you know, the uh, AZT, the DDI, protein inhibitors, and they started dying from the drugs, not from any uh, uh, HIV virus. So why would they hold this guy on a pedestal? They act like he's- yeah. their, their, he, their You know, he did the same thing. He did the same thing with uh, AIDS. He, the AZT, they deliberately gave patients the wrong dosage to kill them. And with um, what's the drug um, hydroxy uh, chloroquine? They deliberately use too much to cause heart people to die from heart because if you take too much of hydroxy, it will kill you. I think well, under certain too much of anything, right? Well, yeah. I've heard that, and, and they had that report that came out. I think in I can't remember the name. The, the report out of England, that famous medical journal, it, it turned out to be a complete fabrication about uh, how dangerous hydroxy chloroquine was and how ineffective it was. It's all smoke and mirrors and games. They're playing all kinds of games on the uh, uh, on the uh, uh, general public. So, yeah, I mean, 
because we're short on time, I I'm just astonished that um, only there were only two cases of um, swine flu in this yeah. in the United States. Well, I mean, go, if to, that... go to mm -hmm. go to YouTube, look up 60 minutes swine flu. They have a whole documentary on it. He, they even managed to get some of the doctors involved. And 60 Minutes does a great job of proving people. Oh, I liars. saw that. Oh, you did see yeah. that. Okay, so you're familiar. Yeah, so right. also, you know, what that proves in short, before I pass you on to Chris, is, um, uh, you know, Fauci is a career criminal. The CDC owns vaccine patents, I think. Right. As, as does the NIH. I, I mean, it, it, they follow the money. You know, the problem is people just want to have their pizza and, and go to the ballpark. You know, that's part of the that's part of the problem. But, well, you know, you said so much already. I think what you said in the first 25 minutes of this uh, of this uh, session was very powerful. If, if people if people want to check what you're saying, if they can get that through their head, that should be enough to say, OK, I need to start looking into what's going on. But I really appreciate everything you've done. Pioneer since 1992. I, I really, I really, uh, it's an honor to be here. I'll pass you on to Chris. Thank you. It's very kind. Hi, Curtis. Um, Hi, how you doing? Good, mate. Um, I know we talk an, an awful lot of doom and gloom sometimes as well, but, and for people, obviously, that'll be listening to this when, when it goes out, is um, they obviously want to hear some bit of positivity. In fact, you've been on the road a long time, as you know, 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. What... <laughs> What can you say or what advice can you give to people? Because I know everybody on this panel alone, never mind people externally, we know family members, loved ones, neighbors, etc. Like we've been touching on, they're, they're all still queuing up no matter if the information is there, even if it's off the government website, no conspiracy theory, no agendas, no United Nations stuff, no, you know, not even going down the rabbit hole any bit at all. What what do you find over the 30 year period or so that you can, you can help or have you managed to kind of I won't say convinced because I know before we start this actual recording, you, I believe some of your own family members have still, um, they still want to walk the line and obviously get this inoculation of debt. Um, is there any advice you can give or is it just simply they're complete like MK, MK Ultra, they're under this spell and it's just simply not their time to wake up. It could be 2024, it might be too late, but it's just not their time to wake up, even though the writing is all over the wall and the evidence is just there. You don't even have to go too far down the rabbit hole, just mm -hmm. even touch the surface in places and you can find the the evidence is there to prove everything that you're saying is is correct with these, you know, these vaccines. And not one vaccine since they've come out ever um, has ever been safe and effective. Sure. I think there's a lot of positive things. And I always try to emphasize the... Uh, of the positive when I speak. Uh, one, it's important to remember that when I started uh, back in 92, it was just me out there giving lectures, organizing uh, demonstrations and, and forums and doing interviews and things of that nature. There was no uh, anti-vaccine movement back then. There wasn't what we have now. We have millions of people across America and around the world involved in this. We have organizations popping up all over the place. It's actually hard to keep track of all the uh, organizations that are out there. So we have a lot of very smart people with resources uh, who are out there now who are fighting this battle. And we are turning heads. People are listening. I mean, that's why they're engaging so much censorship. I mean, uh, they uh, turned up uh, Mr. Kennedy's uh, Instagram account. He has something I believe like 800,000 followers on Instagram. They turned it off and uh, they only do that and other censorship because they're afraid. They see we're making too much progress. And so that's a very positive sign. And I can tell you over the years, I've uh, persuaded so many people. One of the things that I used to do was I would be 
called into a situation where you have a couple and one person, uh, one of the family member um, had uh, a desire to have their child vaccinated and the other one didn't want their child vaccinated. And, you know, with something that's going to lead to divorce and stuff. And so we would normally meet, usually have dinner or something, and I would meet with them, give a presentation, give them a copy of my book, give them articles, and answer all their questions. Every single time I did that, uh, the one who wanted to get the child vaccinated, they didn't do it. And um, people are appreciative when that happens. And in fact, out of all the people, there was one that was really super appreciative. He was so happy that... Uh, you know, periodically he would call the curse, just go out to dinner. He would have a limousine, pick me up. We would go to some fancy restaurant and he was just like really happy. A lot of people are very appreciative. I'll give another quick story. Um, the forum that I organized for Mr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. back in 2009, which we held at the Riverside Church, which was a very big event, went very well, had a lot of great speakers, uh, a lot of parents spoke. I found out later after the event uh, that there were two couples there in which um, they were married, they just had a kid, and one person wanted to vaccinate their child and the other one didn't. Uh, but after watching that three-hour presentation, in both cases, the one who wanted to vaccinate their child chose not to. So we can break through. It, 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 it can be done. And the thing is, you never know. You never know what buttons you push is going to uh, cause the light to go off in people's head. So uh, my philosophy has always been that I can give a, a presentation to a couple hundred people uh, but if, if at least one person listened to what I say and do their own research, it was successful. So uh, th there's no magic, uh, but I try a lot of different things, emphasize different things. I use graphics and stuff. You never know. And even if you don't convince the person immediately, you can plant a seed in their head. Hmm. So that later on, they'll come across other information. Wait a minute. I heard that before. And eventually a light goes off in their head. So um, we're making a lot of progress. I mean, only reason for them to do so much censorship in social media and all the things they're doing is because they're afraid of us. We are being too successful. We're putting out all kinds of videos, all kinds of forums, all kinds of information. Everybody should go to the Children's Health Defense website. There's massive amounts of information on all aspects of this. And everything is thoroughly documented, thoroughly researched. And I know, because I published some articles uh, on there and I had to go through all kinds of attorneys and everything else to give before they finally approve it. But everything is thoroughly researched. Go to Children's Health Defense, you'll find a lot of this uh, literature. So people can be persuaded. It, it can be done and it is happening on a global scale at a rate that uh, scares them. Uh, I, I will also say that we, we have other assets in our favor. Uh, among those assets we have is that the truth is on our side. That's why the other side, all they can do is engage in smoke and mirrors, emotionalism. So they're getting uh, church leaders uh, because they're, they're called influencers to try to persuade the people. They're getting singers and actors and sports figures because they know they can't win on the facts. That's why they don't want to debate. They don't want to debate anybody qualified to challenge them. They don't want to debate Bobby Kennedy. Uh, I mean, I was trying to set up uh, well, a woman uh, who I work with uh, who's in Sweden. We tried to, uh, wants to set up a debate on uh, uh, whether or not uh, this COVID virus has been proven to exist. And I told her, I'll bet you $10 that you won't be able to do it. You won't be able to get any scientist or doctor who's pushing this whole, eight, uh, this whole um, COVID virus thing to get uh, uh, on camera in a debate. And she's lost. She's tried. Mm -hmm. None of these people are so outspoken, so outraged uh, on, on when they're talking on radio shows or doing uh, interviews for newspapers and magazines. None of them want to get on camera with, with a doctor or scientist qualified to challenge them to argue whether or not this virus has been proven to exist. That is, 
that is an isolated and purified sample has been obtained. None. So the, the truth is on our side. Uh, and so our real task is just finding creative ways to wake people up. Another asset that we have is that we are the majority. The ultra elite who are pushing all of this, how many of them are there, really? Thousands, tens of thousands, let's say it's hundreds of thousands in their network. How many people on the planet? What, 7 billion? I mean, they're like a, 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 a microcosm of the total. So we have the truth on our side and we have the numbers. So our task is really just to wake people up. That's what they're afraid of. So we have a lot of assets. I'll tell you this, because I know this firsthand, we have a lot of very powerful forces, very wealthy, resourceful forces out there on our side. Most are not public at all, but they are there. We have lots of allies, but they're quiet and they should stay quiet. So uh, for if you want something positive, those are some positive things. Cool, yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying as well with the censorship and all that, because they're running scared. Simple as that. That's the only reason they are. And that's why they are censoring. But also, on the other hand, they're upping the game of propaganda and they're pumping hundreds upon millions into their, their propaganda machine, of course, to try and coerce and influence the public, of course, because by the TV in the corner of your room, that's how they're doing it. And by the media, because the media can start and, and then stop a war in the morning. And um, and they know they have the power to side with Silicon Valley now more than they had in the past when they tried these same scams as well. But over your you know, 30 year period, because you're at the actual forefront of and you're speaking out, and of course, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, of course, they will not, obviously not like you and that. Have you had any attacks or have you on your actual life itself, you know, over the past couple of decades? <laughs> I take uh, it that's a yeah by that answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, I uh, fortunately, knock on wood, I, I'm not important enough, so good. Uh, listen, I'm not that important, so uh, no. Uh, do I get mysterious phone calls from people who are obviously... Uh, not who they say they are. Yes, I've gotten that, some of that. But um, they, I think they got much bigger fish, bigger targets than myself. I'm, I'm very tiny in the, in the uh, scheme of things. I do think, but there are a lot of people out there who are doing things quietly. So uh, fortunately, no, but what, what's the alternative? Being quiet doesn't keep you safe. All these people who died, they were following along with what they were told to do. That, you know, they were good soldiers, good uh, children, and, and they died. Uh, and we're seeing now a lot of people who've taken the vaccine, at least the first shot or so, they're having severe remorse because of the reactions they're having and the information they're learning. So they're waking up to uh, the fact that they can't trust the people they've been told. Again, I also want to make this point that um, understanding these issues is not just an intellectual uh, uh, hurdle. It's also an emotional hurdle, which is really hard for a lot of people because uh, we're not only asking them to believe that the vaccine is dangerous, we're asking them to believe that grandfather Fauci is a liar and a manipulator of information, that the, the doctors who they've been brought up to trust and the doctors that they have worked with, they're given the false information or wrong information, the hospitals, the news media, the politicians they voted for, we're telling them all these institutions and, and, and individuals that they've been brought to trust are giving them false information that's going to lead to their doom. That's a big emotional hurdle. And I will say this, that no matter how skeptical a lot of people are, they could be more skeptical than I was, because when I first uh, learned about this, I was reading one book from my uh, first book I was working on. And in that book, it had one chapter talking about vaccines being dangerous and ineffective, which shocked me because I grew up pretty conservative background and I equated vaccines with mom's apple pie at that point. So 
as fate would have it, a short while later, I was at a retreat in Martha's Vineyards and I um, uh, saw a book vendor and he had two books on vaccines, criti criticizing vaccines as being dangerous and ineffective. So now I went from a chapter to two whole books. So of course I bought the books and I read them. They were thoroughly referenced, but I still wasn't convinced. But at that point, I went on a, uh, on a mad search. I read everything I could get my hands on on the subject of vaccine, all kinds of books. I was able to find books that were out of print. I spent countless hours in the medical uh, libraries digging up scientific articles when you did research in the libraries, you know, you know, not the internet now, but had to go through the stacks and, you know, find all these ability uh, uh, mortality weekly and all these others, uh, New England Journal of Medicine. I had to have my medical dictionary by my side so I can understand all the technical terms. But it was like a two year journey before I reached the point that I said, I can no longer defend vaccines, two years. So I try to be patient with the people that are hard to convince. I mean, we want to convince them in one conversation, but you know, it's a challenge and it's also an emotional challenge. But look at us, we're millions uh, across the country and around the world and we are growing and they're afraid of us. So we got to continue to do what we're doing and, uh, and we're gonna win. The truth is in our side and we are the majority. They are the minority and they are the liars. Exactly. They definitely have overplayed their hand and we are going to win. I believe it's only a matter of time. And, um, you know, as you said earlier as well, it's a, it's a case of planting seeds. You mightn't wake up this month or next month, but you have to plant those seeds and wherever they land across the world, whoever is listening to in whichever country, you're just hoping they will drop on somebody's ear and kind of go, oh, I see what those guys are talking about. I better now start my own research. And you could have changed um, that person for to make a positive difference in their life and obviously their their family's life. But I know just before we passed on to Hartman, we spoke about the, the American stats as well and the figures and VARs and and correct what you're saying about that system only reporting 1%. If we're really generous, it might say up to 10%, but um, it's, it's it's in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, I know in the European database, um, which they don't tell all the truth either, they don't tell all the reported figures, they're talking in the region of around, I think it's about two weeks ago, I checked, it was somewhere around 16,000 or 15,500 was the figure of deaths there from the, from the vaccine, they're saying, and something up to around a million and a half adverse reactions they had from the vaccine. So that's just wow. in Europe alone so and that was about two weeks ago so whatever it is if it's 15 and a half 16,000 now it, that's in the tens if not the hundreds of thousands and the same with the adverse um reactions as well but um briefly um just in your opinion as well how far do you think i know we don't have to go down the route of agendas because that's a whole podcast on itself but how far do you think you're away or we are away from possibly ending or coming out to some to somewhat the other side? Because the numbers are growing, the marches, the people are waking up day by day. You can see it across the world, even though the censorship has gone up. But if you know still what avenues to look in, you can still find the information and the people there and to know it's escalating and escalating. As I say, we're on a winner here, um, definitely. And, uh, you know, their train is just about to come off the tracks. What do you think yourself? Well, I think things are going to get a lot worse. Mm. And we're going to quickly reach a point where most people are going to know a family member or a friend who's been killed or seriously injured by uh, these vaccines. And now it moves from just something they would see or hear about on TV to becomes personal. And I think that's going to be a big wake up call, especially people who are uh, in the police and the National Guard and the military. When they start seeing their family members dropping dead 48 hours after being vaccinated, uh, they're going to realize that they are on the chopping blocks as well. And uh, I don't think they're going to like it. And they're going to talk among themselves. And I think you're going to see a massive backlash at some point in time. So far, especially in the U.S., people have been very polite. Most of the demonstrations have been very friendly and most of the forums very friendly. But at some point, I think there's going to be 
civil disobedience. I think we might start to see 1960s level disobedience because they're pushing people against the wall. They tell, well, take this vaccine, which we know from government documents is deadly and can lead to all kinds of other adverse reactions. You got to take it or you can't work or you can't fly or you can't go to a concert. I think at some point, um, there's going to be a major pushback and you're going to start seeing civil disobedience and things going to elevate to another level. That's my prediction. I'm not saying I support anything, but that if you want a prediction, that's what I think is going to happen. And um, eventually, I think they're going to have to back down because people are going to get fed up. And, uh, you know, uh, we're not dealing with a, a Martin Luther King era anymore where everything was nice and peaceful and nonviolent. Uh, in America, I think the number is something like 70 million people have guns and, uh, you know, they, and they know how to use them. I don't know. Advocate that. I think people should be peaceful at all times, but it's there. And you push people against the wall who um, have no choice. It's, no, it's unpredictable. So I'm hoping that our movement can cause political change before we reach the point of people having to resort to uh, extreme measures. I, I prefer a peaceful situation. But you put people in the corner, it's unpredictable. We hope that doesn't happen and we hope we can inform enough people so and get change in the political system and nothing violent has to take place or major civil disobedience is necessary. But can it happen? Yes, it's happened before. So um, what can I say? We want, want nonviolence. We want- it, Exactly, yes, exactly. Yes. The power of no and just, just stop complying with the whole system, full right. stop. It would, be, it would be best to be in a peaceful way. But uh, I want to thank you very much, uh, Curtis, and for all you're doing on the front lines as well for the past couple of decades, just trying to wake up people in the vaccine because it's such an important issue. And uh, thanks for that. I'll pass you over to Hartnett. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Really pleasure to hear you here. And I want to go straight to to a topic uh, which is which a very... very um, on 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 top concerning the timing, I don't know whether you have read the statement of Luigi Warren, the developer of the mRNA vaccination, mm -hmm. that um, the intentional a more credible idea than vaccine inducted spike shedding causing diseases in bystanders is that some vaccine recipients transiently become virus super spreaders owing to lympho to ADE, or the fact that the vaccines only express a subset of viral antigens. So the situation is, we have here not only the deadly vaccination, well, yeah, uh, vaccination, which harms the people who get vaccinated, mm -hmm. but we have also the situation that the um, people who are not vaccinated can get uh, the spike protein, uh, we don't know in in uh, in which kind of quantity. That's not, but it's very interesting that in Germany, for example, um, the government has changed the law that the vaccination has now the possibility to to affect non-vaccinated people because this was forbidden, and now they have changed the law. Do you have a comment on that? This is my yeah, question. Sure. Yes, uh, that is one of the more frightening aspects of this whole COVID. Of, uh, the shedding is very, very disturbing because what it means is even those who choose not to get the vaccine and have definitely don't want to have anything to do with it, we are still at some risk. And um, the reports are absolutely horrific. 
Uh, if you go to a website called MAM, M-A-M-M, -M, it stands for Millions Against Medical Mandates. I'm uh, on the steering committee of, uh, of that group. Uh, they're collecting all kinds of reports of women who are having severe menstrual cycles, uh, severe bleeding and bleeding that lasts over long periods of time and very sporadic. And you know, women are very conscious of their, their cycles. And so they know when something is wrong. And uh, we're seeing uh, women uh, who are 80 years old, uh, all of a sudden are having their, their, uh, their bleeding. We're seeing children, uh, little girls, as long as like three years old or so, who are starting to bleed from the, their vaginas. The spike proteins, uh, yes, it's so shedding thing, it's terrifying. We're also seeing accounts of people having um, severe blood clots uh, coming out, long blood clots coming out their nose. I mean, on the MAM website, they have a lot of this documentation. In fact, they're doing a survey uh, called the, I forget the exact title, but they're doing a survey on, um, on this. And uh, we're collecting thousands of reports of women who are having adverse reactions from the vaccine, also especially those who have not uh, been exposed. And also men are having, their react having reactions too. That's not as well documented, but um, we're hearing reports of uh, men having performance uh, problems because of, uh, uh, of the shedding issue. Uh, and the thing is, because this is so new, it's hard to know what the limitations are. We don't know how much exposure is necessary. Now, a lot of people who believe it's due to shedding, it's because they know a person who's been vaccinated. Usually it's a family member or it could be a coworker and they attribute they're getting sick uh, from being around that person. Now, how much is casual transmission is possible? We don't know yet. Can you get it from sitting on a bus next to somebody one time? Or uh, we just don't know. And we don't know. But normally when vaccines shed, there's a time frame, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so after the person got the vaccine. With this one, we don't know. I mean, uh, I was, one of the meetings I was at this week, I asked a very famous doctor in our group, uh, does he have a better sense for how long a person might be shedding? And he said, we just don't know. So we can't just assume that because a person got the vaccine three months ago that they're now safe to be around. We don't know. And uh, I, I'll uh, try to put this as delicately as, as possible. One of the doctors in the group, he said, look, the bottom line is stay the F away from anybody who's taking the COVID vaccine. Point blank with the rest of the words spelt out. So um, I would say as much as possible, try to keep your distance from anybody who's vaccinated because we just don't know right now. Myself, I uh, uh, had a housekeeper who was uh, going to work with me temporarily my, while my regular person was going to be uh, uh, on vacation. And uh, she was great, so, you know, very efficient, everything else. And we spoke and, um, uh, and the conversation is different to vaccines. And she said that she had gotten both doses of the vaccine. As much as I wanted to keep her, I just couldn't. I just could not expose myself. I know a woman who uh, is up on these issues. She had a person all ready to uh, rent out an apartment since she was subletting. Then she found out the person had uh, both COVID shots. He had to cancel. So, you know, while they're trying to discriminate against people who are unvaccinated, you got to ask yourself, do you really want to be sitting in a stadium next to a whole bunch of people who are shedding? Do you want that? Do you want to go to a concert where you're surrounded by all these people shedding for multiple different vaccines? Do you want that exposure? I, I don't have a problem with I mean, I think this should be separate but equal. Uh, let us have our own section of, for unvaccinated people and all those who got the vaccine, let them sit far away from us. 
because they said there's too many unknowns with the Shetty. But a lot of information you can find about this on the MAM website, uh, million, uh, stands for million, uh, MAM.org, which stands for Millions Against Medical Mandates. You can find a lot of information on the Children's Self Defense website. And uh, I'm going to be posting uh, more information about this on my website, which is uh, where you can also order the book. Don't order my book on Amazon because I'm being censored and all kinds of crazy stuff is happening there. Vaccines are dangerous. You can go to my website, vaccines are, spelled A-R-E, dangerous.blogspot.com. And uh, you can order the book. I autograph and date all copies of my book. And a lot of stuff that I've talked about here, the references are all in my book. I have hundreds of references. And my book, one thing that distinguishes it from a lot of other books is that it's very easy to read. I, I'm a pretty good writer. And I saw it as my challenge to take a lot of the complicated technical medical stuff and put it into a format that the average person can read. A, a kid in junior high school can read my book and understand probably 90% of it. So um, it's a great source to go to for information. And those websites, if you want information, massive information on the Children's Health Defense website and on the Millions Against Medical Mandates website, MAM, M-A-M-M dot org. You get a wealth of information on shedding and many other related issues. Thank you so much. So thank you so much. It's, uh, what I want to uh, emphasize is um, the psychological aspect of these coronavirus, mm. because we are we try to let's say it this way: we try to awake people. We try to tell the people that what what's going on here. And uh, the the difficult, the most difficult thing is that the that the people are let's say in a specific way. They are like victims of non-touching torture. And for this reason, they, the, the will of the people is broken. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother area, especially for children with the kids being forced to wear the, the face mask. Um, one, on a psychological level, I mean, uh, and developmental level, the first couple of years of life is critical for a child's development of language skills to be able to actually see a person's face, see the words being pronounced by looking at their lips, and they're being denied that. So there's a massive concern on the, the long-term development of a lot of these kids. And, you know, based on studies of uh, children who were raised by animals, I mean, if you don't start learning a language at a certain point, you never will learn it. Kids have an amazing ability, I mean, to learn languages young. With, they're being denied because they can't see the lips. They can't see the facial expressions to link certain language with, with expressions. And so that's bad. And uh, on, on top of that, kids love to touch each other. They want to wrestle and play, and which is good. And they're being denied that. And we know that when uh, we look at those YouTube channels on uh, uh, animals that have been brutalized and, and no contact with other animals, they're scared, they, uh, they, they, they want to bite at you. They, isolation is bad. That's why they do it in these uh, prisons. What do they do? Put them in isolation. There's all kinds of literature on how bad that is and how you're going to put a person in complete isolation 20 years and expect them to be, have normal development when they go out into the general public. It's torture. And they, uh, they're torturing uh, these kids by denying them the, the right to uh, wrestle and play uh, with each other denying the right to see the smile of other kids. And we're talking about, I'm sure still we've done this research, there are forces out there that are completely diabolical. You know some of the terrible things they do to kids. I don't, probably want you to go into that there. That's the mentality of those at top, at, at certain super ultra elite circles. They couldn't care less about our kids. 
In fact, they're probably getting off, getting off on it, on all the, the horrible uh, trauma these kids are going through. We had one little girl just recently, uh, 11 year old, uh, Jenna Miller here in New York and Queens. She um, uh, stood up to her school uh, on a, it was a hot day, like in the nineties, it's good, no air conditioning, no fan. And she couldn't breathe. And, and none of the kids could, but she said, look, I can't breathe. They sent it to a nurse. And I said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. you. You can go back to your class. You got a choice. Either go to your class with the mask on or you can go home. And the girl said, well, call my mother. And uh, mother came as she left. She came out of the school with two fingers up in the air. She was such a role model that uh, I was able to, uh, my part, get on several uh, shows and do interviews. I got her on stage with Dr. Simone Gold and spoke in, in Connecticut. Everybody put in contact. First, they were skeptical. Oh, she's 11 years old. But when they speak to her, it becomes so inspired. She's so motivating. And so it's, it puts a lot of uh, uh, college students and adults to shame that an 11-year-old can, could stand up and say, I have a right to breathe. I can't breathe. I mean, an 11-year-old, stunning. And um, yeah, she, uh, she, she's been an inspiration. We've been doing a lot of things to promote her. So um, yes, what's happened to these kids is horrific. Say nothing about the, the dangers of, uh, of these face masks. Uh, I'm sure you, you guys already know um, that the masks don't work. It says it right on the box. Will not protect against viruses. Will not protect against COVID. So, I mean, I try to wonder what kind of stupid do you have to be to buy a product that doesn't work? I mean, that would be like a fireman buying a fire suit that says it will not protect against fires. I, I mean, or an astronaut going to outer space with a suit where the manufacturer says will not protect you against uh, uh, a, an environment that that's, uh, has no oxygen. I mean, what's the point? Uh, but people are doing it. And uh, so they don't work and they are dangerous on so many different levels. I mean, you have, uh, well, most of you know, a lot of these surgical masks that are coming out of China and other places, they're not uh, fabric, they're actually plastic. Seems like fabric, when, you, when it's been analyzed, it's plastic. So you're breathing in plastic fibers. That causes cancer. You're not supposed to be breathing in plastic fibers. Uh, on top of that, there's something called graphene that's uh, been found in these uh, uh, masks. And the, the chemical composition is similar to that of asbestos. So, you know, asbestos causes cancer. So you're increasing your risk of cancer by breathing in through these masks. Plus you're reducing your, uh, your intake of oxygen. And, um, uh, you know, so uh, I understand the numbers are like 25% or so reduction in oxygen. A low oxygen environment is the ideal breeding ground for cancer. So you're actually seeding your, your body for cancer by denying the, the normal levels of oxygen. You're also uh, seeding your body for cancer because you're breathing back in so much of your own carbon dioxide. Del Bigtree did an episode on his show, uh, The High Wire. He had his son put on one of those masks. He put the meter under there. And the meter, in terms of uh, the level of toxicity from uh, carbon dioxide, went off the charts. I mean, I think the safe level was like 1,000. This thing went up to 10,000 and then couldn't go any further. So by breathing in so much carbon dioxide, you're making your body uh, more acidic. And an acidic environment is, again, ideal breeding grounds for cancer. So you're setting your body up for cancer by denying the normal of oxygen and by increasing the intake of uh, carbon dioxide. And that's not even getting into the whole issue of uh, the growth of bacteria inside uh, the, the, the mask. I mean, germs, bacteria grow more, most effectively in warm, moist, dark environments. That's why people get a lot of foot fungus when they put on their shoes, because it's warm, moist, and dark. So this is a breeding ground for germs. It's like the, the, the germs inside that mask, it's like a big orgy. 
They're just multiplying rapidly. And what we found from studies uh, in hospitals that uh, surgical masks, when they use them in the hospitals for surgery, they have uh, uh, air filters to keep the environment as clean as possible. And the doctors are supposed to change the mask like every 20 to 30 minutes during the surgery. Uh, what they found when they compared uh, hospitals where the masks were in use and they did a control where they took away the masks and they performed the, the surgeries, they found that the incidence of infection and in, in the patients who were being operated on was lower among the doctors who were not wearing masks. So that means there's a massive buildup of infe infectious bacteria in the mask that obviously is seeping out into the body of the patient, even though that's a controlled environment where they have the air filters cleaning the air, and even though it's being changed every 20, 30 minutes. Now, imagine the implications of somebody's wearing the same mask all day long, day after day, they put it on a, on a counter or wherever. It's madness. And we got all kinds of reports of people who are having heart attacks and fainting because they're wearing masks, people who are driving and they faint. I mean, I, I'm probably getting more information that you want, but um, it's bad. And so these kids are being traumatized. Their bodies are being seeded for cancer and all kinds of other diseases. And, uh, and the psychological impact is horrendous. I mean, I shudder to think what these kids are gonna be like in a few years if we don't stop this mask madness. Uh, madness. Yeah, and um, um, I got, um, I had also a very good conversation to a friend of mine and she told me it's, it's very simple. It, you have to bring people to a specific point where they do things where they know by common sense it makes no sense because this is the way to break the will yeah. so th yeah yeah there's a lot of ways i agree and that's why so we try different things i'll tell you a quick story on the mask thing probably heard about the uh, the phenomena of the worms in these uh masks and these surgical masks uh, i've watched more videos of that than i care to watch but it's very disturbing these black worm like things that they can see under the microscope now, I would talk to my face is almost blue to people uh, telling them don't wear the mask because it was cancer, da, 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 da. and they'll, they'll nod their head and they'll still wear the mask. Uh, but I tell you, one occasion I went to see my chiropractor and um, she was wearing a mask and we were talking and then I mentioned about the worms. I was telling all the research. She took off the mask right then and there. Uh, all the people for months prior who wouldn't listen to me thought I was crazy or they would never take off their mask. She did. And I was shocked. And then after I left her office, I was in front of the building waiting for my, uh, my, my uh, taxi to pick me up. And I was sitting on the bench next to another guy who also uh, was wearing a mask and he was talking on the phone. Somebody called me. We were talking about this and we started talking about the worms uh, in the mask. The guy automatically took off his mask. I was shocked. I got two people to take off their mask <laughs> just by mentioning words. And sometimes you got to shock people. Some people, you can give them facts and figures. Other people, you got to say, look, there's worms in there. Or with vaccines, it's a, you know, something that works. You tell them there's, uh, they're using dead babies in the vaccines. Uh, you know, most people that'll trigger some kind of emotional response. So you try different things and uh, you never know what's gonna work with most people. But sometimes hitting them hard over the head uh, or it'd be the equivalent like taking ice water and throwing on a person who's asleep. Uh, you know, sometimes you gotta do that to wake them up. Brilliant. And, and my question is at the moment, the states, several states in, in the US seems to be the most liberal states in the world because mm -hmm. they try to, uh, they, they don't care about these vaccinations anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, and how is it possible that it, what is your opinion concerning the current situation in the US? 
do you think it will uh, it's only a, a small break or do you think it's a real movement or also from from the government from the local governments to stop these things well i mean the ultra elite they have massive amounts of power but they don't have complete power and we're seeing this with the governors who are refusing to uh support mandate mass mandates who are refusing to uh support mandatory vaccination so they have a lot of power but they don't have complete power and we see that in florida with desantis and uh I don't think it was an accident that Trump uh, chose to relocate to uh, Florida. So we do have our pockets of, of influence, who people who are standing by uh, by their convictions, who are standing up to, to things. And so um, there's resistance. And I think that resistance is going to continue to grow. I know it's going to continue to grow because uh, the, the people involved, uh, they know what the alternative is. And the alternative is unacceptable. So our side, we're not going to stop. And uh, our side is growing. Their side is shrinking because more and more people are getting this information and starting to think about it. And um, we're growing. So, um, yeah, they don't have absolute power. We have resources as well. And we are growing. And they're afraid of us. Brilliant. No, that's 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 brilliant. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure talking to you, Curtis. Same here. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you to all, Curtis. Thank you. And I'll make sure all the information about your books and the children's health defense, I'll make sure I'll put it in together with the description. Of it. And we will post it all over. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Roy, Chris, who's left already, Steve, Hartmut, and everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes. Okay. Real, real cool. Thank really you. good information. I my mean, pleasure. really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. Thank you. So let's share it and get it out there and wake more people mm. up. Yep. <laughs> We Take will. care. Thank okay. You. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye.